0: Welcome. We'll be looking at a lot of uh, God's word this morning. I was just thinking that uh, as we look at this passage of scripture that, you know, one of the things that I, I notice in my own life that uh, is that the longer that, uh, that I walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the softer my heart is getting, you know. It's just uh, That's just the way it is when we, when we know him. And we see here in our text that when we pray, we always start with the Father, because he says, "Blessed be the the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ," and we always start with with thanksgiving to our to our Father who is in heaven. You know, in our prayer, the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and and he said, pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So our prayer to our Father in heaven always begins with with praise and thanksgiving. We always need to remind ourselves, don't we? We're so so quick to forget, that's why we have... uh, really communion once a month, because we need to continue to remind ourselves what what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And we need to remind ourselves who we're praying to, that we're praying to our Father who is in heaven, Jesus, when he prayed. And I've shared this before, that, you know, when we pray, and you'll hear people pray, and they'll pray as if they're, you know, praying to, you know, God is their... Is their buddy, you know, and, and dear, dear God or dear Lord. Well, I'm not putting that down, but, but I always think, I, I think we need to always remember that, you know, when Jesus prayed, he prayed to his Father and he always prayed, Holy Father. When he was praying in the garden, he prayed, it says, and going a little further, in Matthew uh, chapter 26, 39, it says, going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father. If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You know, our Father, that that just as Jesus prayed to his Father, the Christian understands that we are children of the living God. And we bow before our Father, and we remind ourselves where he is. He's in He's in heaven. You know, we, we look up and we, there, you know, there's really three heavens and we see the atmosphere and then the, that's the first heaven and what we can see with just with our, with our eyes. And then the second heaven, we have the stars and the, the sun and the moon and there's a third heaven where God is, our Father in heaven. And we remember that he's almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. In his son, Jesus Christ, that we've been made new, that we've been born again. Once again, in Matthew 26, 42, again, as he was in the garden, he said, again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Our father, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our father in heaven that that loves us so much, And I guess that's where I, as I was sharing when I first came up here, that, that in my life, that's one of the things that, that I'm realizing more and more is just how much God loves us. And, and I'm not going to get up and, and be one of these preachers that just gets up and talks about love, 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 but love is such a big part of our relationship with God, that he so loved us that he gave his only son to die for our sins. Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we understand that as Christians, as worshipers of God, that, that we're uh, worshipers of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, one can't be a Christian, understand this, that one can't be a Christian if they don't acknowledge the triune God. We're, we're Trinitarians, ladies and gentlemen. We believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit as we look at this first chapter of Ephesians, we, we have it laid out right before us in the first 14 verses That is, verses 1 through 6 we see the Father. And then in verses 7 through 12, the Son. And then in verses 13 and 14, the Holy Spirit. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we understand that our Father in heaven is a God of love. Of grace, of mercy, of compassion, of patience. He's always just. He never makes a mistake. It. Uh, I think I told you that. Uh, I, I remember. And I'm not being critical, but, you know, and I, a pastor that really, uh, really has a heart for evangelism, and I heard him say on the radio. I was listening to him, and. And, you know, back in the 70s, and that's when me and Lucy came to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We were back in the 70s, and actually Ron was just telling me, I didn't even know it, that there was an author named Hal Lindsey, and he wrote a book called The Late Great Planet Earth. And Ron Ron brought it to my attention. I did not even know it, but he he passed away, I guess, in June. And he was a good guy, and uh, you know, but he had this one thing, and I, I, I got a kick out of it because... You could turn him on, you know. Uh, and I'm talking in the uh, early '70s, late '60s, probably when he wrote that book. But you could turn him on 20 years later, and he saw the same message, you know that you know get ready. Jesus Christ is getting ready to come back again. And and it, you know, and you think you, and you think about that. But anyhow, this this pastor he shared that, you know that he, you know he was one of the ones in the '70s that really looked forward to Christ coming back and. You know, he's going. he said, but now I'm glad that you didn't come back because look at all the people that got saved in the 70s and 80s and 90s and now in the 2000s. Well, come on, man. You know, no one is going to be in hell unless they're supposed to be there. You know, God is perfectly just. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe in election. And and we're going to look at that verse. Eventually, we're going to get to the fourth verse where it says that, and just let me read it. It says that... uh, you know, you, you, you got to take, read the Bible, and you got to, we want to be good theologians. And, and, and I'll say to you, you know, one who knows the Bible, who, who really takes theology seriously, is one that they're really secure in their relationship with Jesus Christ. They're, they're really secure in the fact that, you know, that they have in Jesus eternal life. They're, they're really secure in the fact that they know that God is, is perfectly just. And it says here in verse four, even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, salvation isn't something that God just came up with because man fell into sin. This was something that he planned before the foundations of this world were ever laid, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Now I'm not this guy I know he meant well when he said that but it's just not good theology. And and you know we don't say things because it sounds good. We want to say things according to the word of God. And it's when we understand that that you know all these blessings that we have in in Jesus Christ that you know we're going to celebrate today that that we've been forgiven. That that our Lord Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven and he he broke his body for us and he shed his blood for us and, and we're forgiven. It drives me nuts when I hear somebody say that, that we could lose our salvation. How can that be? You know, God has given us his Holy Spirit. His holy, he's been given to us as a, as a seal of the fact that we're redeemed, that we're going to heaven. That's what the word, look at verses 13 and 14. Now, I didn't even plan on even saying any of these things, but this is just such a wonderful chapter. And it says, in Him. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we require possession of it to the praise of his glory. That's just the way that it is. That, that is what the word of God says. And we want to, you know, preach the word of God. And adhere to what it says God the father of our Lord Jesus Christ as I said God our father a God of love grace mercy compassion patience he's always just he never makes a mistake he knows what is best for us that's why we pray your will be done God your will be done as I've shared with you numerous times, we don't even know what's going to happen the rest of this day. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen next week. So we say, God, your will be done. When a young man or a young woman is thinking about, you know, being married, getting married to someone, and they're going to be there, this person is going to be their partner for life, you want to say, thy will be done. Your will be done. You know, I don't, you know, but I tell you, I look back and God is so merciful to me that here me and Lucy got married when we were teenagers, and here we're still married 50 years later. It's the grace of God. It's God saved us. His will was done in our lives. And he always knows, Christian, what is best for you because he knows what is in the future. And that's why we say, God, your will be done. And his love His love for his children, and that's a big deal to be a child of God. His love for his children never, ever wavers. Even though he's all-powerful, and he is all-powerful, he speaks and things come into existence. Let there be light and there's light. But he's he's also kind and he's gentle. You know, those, I, I was thinking that, and I usually will preach a sermon on Father's Day, that, you know, when we think of our Father in heaven, but many who come to know Jesus never really, you know, some of you guys were privileged to, to grow up in a Christian family. And your parents aren't perfect people. Joel, you're not perfect, are you? But you love Jesus, don't you? Same with, you know, you look around Paul, you know, so many of the guys in here. But... But so many people grew up in a family where they didn't have a father, an earthly father, that treated them very well. You know, sometimes their, their fathers were, were abusive. You know, I remember years ago, gee, probably 30 years ago. Time flies when you're having a good time. But 30 years ago, I was helping a guy move. And I think I, back then I was still in the trucking business, maybe 35 years ago. And, and I never forget it. And he was a stepfather to three children, and he had, they had a couple of children of their own, he and his wife. But he had a son, stepson, that was probably about 10 years old. And I never forget the way he treated that little boy, just verbally abusive. And this guy said he was a Christian. I'm a Christian, he would say. But just mean, just a mean sucker, man. I'm telling you. And, and I felt like saying to him, and I, you know, I have to admit, I didn't say anything at the time. I would now, without hesitation. But then I thought, you know, I don't want to get in other people's business. But I should have said to him, why are you so doggone mean? Why are you so darn mean to that little boy? And now that little boy... When he gets to be an adult and really gives his life to Jesus, maybe he's a teenager or whatever. it's going to be a little harder for him than for some of you because he had this earthly, his his real father just deserted him, just dumped the whole family. And then he had this stepfather who was just so verbally abusive. hard for that guy to understand just how loving God is, but boy, would you get a hold of it. When, when someone like him gets a hold of the fact that That my new father, my father in heaven, my my God, is such a loving God. And he's never verbally abusive. He's never harsh. Anything that he says to us, if he corrects us, it's because he loves us. Just like we do with our children. And it's hard when one comes to Christ after growing up with some kind of a, a brutal taskmaster and not a loving father. And, and I really do think, and I know women are like this too, but, but I really do think of a lot of, because I guess because I'm a father and a grandpa, pretty soon the great grandpa, three great grandchildren, that, that I think about dads. And, and I think, you know, we have such an impact on our children's life. And why don't we as Christians, why don't we let our model be our father in heaven? Why don't we let him be our example and, and, and just pray to him and say, Oh, God, I, I want to love my, my children, God, like you love. God, fill me up with, uh, with the love of Jesus. Because when one of these people that, that grew up with, this, with these horrible fathers... I remember years ago, and I think I've shared it with you before, I know I have, this, a football star that, that it was such a tragedy that his three-year-old son was killed by a, a, a person that his uh, his ex-girlfriend or whoever was living with. little boy killed. And everybody was, so, everybody, was so, everybody was so grieved about the whole thing, this poor man. Then I found out that he never met the little boy. He never, in three years, never took the time to get on an airplane or a train or a bus or a bicycle or whatever and go meet this little kid. But as far as he was concerned as a father, all he needed to do was write a check once a month and he had plenty of money to do it. But there's so much, you hear so much of that. And we look at our father in heaven that he is just totally, totally the opposite of that. Just a loving 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 father and sometimes I say with Young men young women that have been through that kind of a life that when they get a handle Theologically and and in their heart and they experience the love of God It's almost too good to be true It is true But it's almost too good to be true to have a father like this And and it takes them a while to adjust to it because I share with you that that harshness that harshness is never from God God is just not like that in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 it says fathers do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord what a job we have for us to do men the instruction of the Lord because we love our children, isn't it true? Because we love our children, we don't let them go their own way. And we understand that God's love is a perfect love. When His children, us, we, no matter how old we are, John, you just had your 79th birthday. Probably God still even disciplines you at 79 sometimes, doesn't He? Huh? But he disciplines I, I know that because he, he does me at 68. You know, I know that. Because that's the way his love is. He, he disciplines us, his children, out of love. When we rebel against him, he has to discipline us. It's not love, I say, to let our children do whatever they want to do. And if you're a Christian, and if you're in some kind of willful sin, if you're in rebellion against God, He will—I guarantee—because He's a God of love, according to the Word of God, He will discipline us. And maybe it's not a big deal. Maybe we're not, Maybe we're doing something that isn't a big deal to us. And even if people, other Christians, look at us and they say, it, it, It isn't a big deal. That's not even sin. There's nowhere in the Bible that it tells you you can't do that. But God says, no, in your life, I don't want you to do that anymore because I'm drawing you to to holiness. You see, that's what this Christian life is all about. We are becoming more and more and more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. I, I was telling my me and Lucy are really animal lovers, and probably too much so maybe. But she was telling me about some, some, somebody who was being cruel to an animal. But I'm not like I'm like that with people, man, with anybody. I, I can't hang with it. And, and I said to her, you know, Lucy is a Christian. And I look at the suffering in this world. And I look what's going on in this world. I really do look forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. I really do look forward to it. And when I see something like that, when I see man's inhumanity to man, and just the stuff that we see going all over the world as Leon prayed for the, you know, the Christians around this world, especially right now in the Middle East and China, just the suffering that they're going through. And, and you know that when Jesus Christ comes back, on the, the moment that he comes back, every bit of that's going to stop. Every single bit of it's going to stop. And he's going to come, and he's going to reign in righteousness and holiness. And we're not going to see any of these horrible things anymore. And I look at them and I say, oh, come, Lord Jesus. Come and set up your kingdom. You know, because of his great love for us, Christian, because of his great love for us, he will never let us go. He always will finish what he started. And we're told that he gives us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ. These blessings always only come through Christ. And you think about blessings, because... You know, people in this world that don't know Jesus get blessed. It's called common grace, and we look at, you know, in, in Matthew chapter five, where Jesus says that His Father causes the sun to to, to shine on the good and the, un, the good and the the ones that aren't good, the 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 rain to come. You know, you look at a farmer. You get a farmer that he could care less about God, but he's a successful farmer and he takes advantage of that sun and and that rain and he. He brings in these big crops, and he, he gives no glory to God. Well, that's called, that's called common grace. That's God, just to live in this world, just to exist in this world, there's that grace that everybody gets. But when we look at this in here, when we talk about these spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, they only come through Jesus Christ. The blessings are only for those who know Christ, these spiritual blessings, these spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. Because we're in Christ, we get this grace and peace that are ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. Spiritual, what are spiritual blessings, man? I mean, how about forgiveness? How about reconciliation? How about redemption? How about justification? All these spiritual blessings, a relationship with the living God, being at peace with God, being able to go to God anytime we want in prayer and know that his ears are always open and attentive to our prayers, those are these spiritual blessings that, that every Christian has, but so many of us, we don't take advantage of all that God has for us. And we're not thankful for all that he's done in each one of our lives. I was, thinking to, yeah, I was listening to a sermon, it kind of let me off the hook a little bit. Uh, you know, in case I preach a, a sermon that isn't that great. Because we as Christians, we as Christians, we don't come to church. All of us in this room right here, we don't come to church to hear a sermon. We come here to worship the living God. We come here to worship him, to lift up his holy name. We pray that our Lord Jesus Christ, that he would be exalted in our midst, in this place. So we have all these these spiritual blessings because we're in Christ. And I said, these blessings, we have so many. But you know, one of the things that I think it was Tozer that said it, a, uh, E.W. Tozer, that said, because so many times people, you know, people, assess me and Lucy, you know, you've been a Christian for as long as we've been a Christian for. You know, we've gone through different things in our life. And and for a while we were involved and in, really involved in, uh, I guess you'd call it the charismatic movement. And really involved in that. And, but one of the things you see, and that's what Tozer said, because so many people, they're seeking the gift instead of the giver. And, and we're not to seek the gift, we're to seek the giver. We're not, we're not to come seeking the blessing, we're, the one, we're to come and seek the one who gives the blessing. You know, that's what we're here for. We're not here to, you know, God bless us. We want you to bless us. God, pour your open up the windows of heaven, God, and pour your blessing down upon us. We pray that you would do that. But God, we're not here. We, we come here not to seek the blessing, but to seek you who blesses. And that's why we're here. We're, we're not here, oh, God, I want every gift that you'll give me. Man, God, whatever you want to give me, if it's from you, I want it. But God, I'm not going to seek the gift. I want to seek the one who gives that gift. You know, every day that I breathe, I want to seek the one that blesses. I want to seek the one who gives the gift. God, I want to know you. Jesus, I want to know you. And I want to know the power of your resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of your sufferings. Jesus, I want to be conformed to your death. I want to seek you. I want to seek you. So we're not to seek the blessing, but we're to seek the one who gives the blessing. You see, God promises in his His word. God says, draw near to me. Draw near to me. This is a promise. Are you bummed out today? Are you having a rough time? Are you depressed about something? Are you indecisive about something? Are you, are you looking for, for direction? Are you looking for wisdom? Are you looking for knowledge? God says, God promises in his word. That's why I said it's so, you, you, you have to know the word of God. You have to be good theologians. You have to know what God's word says, because God says in his word, if you draw near to me, I will, not I will maybe, but I will draw near to you. God, here I am. Here I am. And God says if you draw near to me I'll draw near to you. In Hebrews 11:6 In Hebrews 11:6 and says, "And without faith it is impossible to please him." For whoever would draw near to God must believe. See, there's some conditions. He must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God rewards those who seek him? All these blessings are in Christ. In Acts 4.12, Peter says, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. In 1 Timothy 2.5, it says, For there is one God, And there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. You know, Catholics will use this verse for communion, but it has nothing at all to do with communion. In John 6, 53, it says, So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. It's all through Jesus. And what Jesus is saying in that verse, he's saying, not talking about actually you know, where the, the priest will say that, you know, he's going to change the bread into the flesh and the, and the juice into the blood and, and Jesus actually shows up. You're actually that is not what this verse is saying. What this verse is saying is Jesus is saying, give me your life. Give me your life. Let let me be all that you need. Let me be the one who takes care of your needs. Eat my flesh. Drink my blood. Realize that in me, in me and only in me, you have forgiveness. You have peace with God. You are right with God. You are forgiven. That's what Jesus is saying. He's not saying some kind of weird thing about communion. He's saying, this is what I want you to do. Truly, truly, verily, verily, I say this, you do this. Unless you eat my flesh. And drink my blood, you have no part in me. But those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have life. In verse 58 of that same chapter, it says, This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread that not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Whoever feeds on this bread, do you believe that? That's what the Bible says. Whoever feeds on this bread, our Lord Jesus Christ says, whoever feeds, and now who in the world would ever say, to eat my flesh and drink my blood other than God, Almighty God? Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, talking about Jesus Christ. So I say, it's all through him. All, all these blessings. Oh, you want to be blessed? It's all through Jesus. It's all through Him. We're told in Colossians 1.19, it says, For in Him, in Him, all the fullness of God, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus. All the fullness of God in Jesus was pleased to dwell. In ch- chapter 2, verse 3, it says, In whom? Oh, man, what's up with this world, man? Uh, You know, I I really want to know more. Well, it says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, all of them. Do you want to have wisdom and knowledge? It's all in Jesus, every bit. It's all in Him. All these treasures of wisdom and knowledge, all in Christ. Now, we're going to partake of Holy Communion. And we remember, don't we? We remember what Jesus Christ has done for us, that that man, you know, when we think about our lives and we understand that he broke his body, you know, and I, I tell you, I've told you before, every day I pray, oh God, help me with this and I'm not going to say this, Mark Lloyd-Jones says this, I wouldn't say this about you, but I'll say it about me, with this pygmy brain that I've got. It's not very big, but God, help me in some way to comprehend the incarnation of Jesus Christ, especially the cross and the resurrection. Help me to understand what I have in that, that Almighty God, Almighty God, Almighty God Jesus Christ came out of glory and did what he did for each one of us. He said, I broke my body for you. I shed my blood for you. I made you a new person. I've given you a second chance. You have peace with God now. You've been justified. That that resurrection, that resurrection from the dead, it proved the fact that we're justified. And what, what that means is that the guilt of our sin taken away, the, the power of sin broken in our lives in Jesus Christ, we have that's the blessing. That's these spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms in Jesus. And I say we celebrate today the spiritual blessing of absolute, total forgiveness. Total, complete forgiveness. Don't let the devil tell you you're not forgiven, because if you know Jesus, you're forgiven. And it's not based upon our works, but it's all based upon His grace. All on His grace. Let me read that passage of Scripture from, and I read it every time we take communion, but from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord... and drink the cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes isn't that something so we're remembering right now when we take communion we're remembering all these spiritual blessings they're for us who trusted in the lord jesus christ this would be really quick i just thought i know we we i've read this so you know so what we keep i'll read it over and over again but to be a christian Because if you confess with your mouth, in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be. No doubt about it, you will be saved. And I guess my challenge, Christian, is to myself and to you, become good theologians. Really understand what you believe. Read the word of God. Just soak your mind and your heart with the Word of God. Understand who you are in Jesus Christ. And then when the devil comes and he begins to, to shoot his arrows at you, you have the Word of God. You have the Word of God. Amen? Uh, real quick, and this is Ephesians chapter 6. I don't want to stop, man. I'm just having such a wonderful time. But... Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand firm. Stand therefore, having fa- stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God. The Word of God. The sword of the Spirit. Let's pray. Worship team come, come on up. Oh Jesus, we we praise you. We praise your holy name. And we thank you, God. We thank you that you broke your body for us, that you shed your blood for us, that that your blood, that no matter what we've done, no matter where we've come from, no matter what our background, that we're clean, that we're forgiven. And Jesus, it is all in you. There is salvation in no one else other than you. There is forgiveness in no one else other than you. There's justification in no one else other than you. There's reconciliation in no one else other than you. There's redemption in no one else other than you. Thank you for your grace.